Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Just want to share this with you before we talk to our next guest. The workers of the Chernobyl, Chernobyl power plant have all been evacuated, so he says. 64 employees were trapped there by Russian troops have now been released. 46 volunteers have agreed to go and take their place, and they're on their way. Also, Canadian press says as far as the Canadian Pacific CP rail strike is concerned, there's pressure on Labour Minister Seamus Reagan to move in with back-to-work legislation. His spokesperson said for now he still believes the best way to resolve it is through negotiation of the two parties. Now, we're going to talk about the impact of this particular situation, this strike, and uh, the company's position as well in our next hour when uh, Dr. Eric Cam joins us and we talk about the economy of this country and the economy of the world, the supply chain, you know, this CP rail issue is going to affect it. Another story here, Institute of the Study of War, the Russian campaign to capture big Ukrainian cities has failed. According to the U.S. military think tank, Russian troops have failed to reach their objectives, resulting in a stalemate. And that is not going to make Mr. Putin particularly happy or agreeable. He's already arrested, I understand, or at least detained, some of his people, some of his key people in key positions. So let's talk about this. Um, a new book coming out in a matter of weeks, World War III, The Battle for Ukraine. It's an update of a book that was written in 2015 by my next guest. And the book questions whether Vladimir Putin's assault on Ukraine is the opening salvo of World War III. Dr. Yuri Felstinsky is back with us. He studied history at the Moscow Pedagogical Institute, you try to say that word, then immigrated to the U.S., where at Rutgers University he received a Ph.D. in history. His recent books include Blowing Up Russia, which, as you know from our previous conversation, is banned in Russia, also the corporation Russia and the KGB in the age of President Putin. Yuri, good to speak with you again. Thank you uh, for joining us. When is the book out officially? Uh, if everything is fine, then in by the end of April, uh, probably in May. Okay, so we will look for it in uh, well online and at bookstores. You wrote it originally after the Russians annexed Crimea and Donbass in 2014. So, is that first of all is that correct? And then, what has fundamentally changed for Putin? What's changed? What's changed in him? Well, the book was written in 2014. Uh, it was published in 2015 in Ukraine, uh, in Russian and Ukrainian, and in Poland. And basically, unfortunately, I have to say, uh, the book predicted the events of 2022. Uh, because it was clear in 2014 that Putin's objection uh, is not... Uh, just part of Ukraine, but the entire Ukraine. And uh, it was clear after the invasion of the eastern Ukraine uh, that Putin could not press it as quickly as he planned. He was slightly probably uh, provoked to, to start the war in 2014 by Maidan revolution and by escape of pro-Russian President uh, Yanukovych. And that's why he could not really quickly, you know, proceed through eastern Ukraine and conquer the whole country. Uh, it took him eight years to prepare for the next war. And next war, as we know, will start as a full-scale war 
uh, when invasion uh, was going on through entire Russian-Ukrainian border and even from Belarus. So this situation now, let's look at uh, at what's happening here. And and the book again uh, looks at um, this assault, this violent invasion of Ukraine as potentially being the beginning of World War III. Now, World War III, question mark, the battle for Ukraine is your book, which will be out in April. So, um, the great concern expressed by Western politicians has been if we confront Putin directly, if we put NATO warplanes in the air and oppose directly, you know, face-to-face Russian warplanes and order them out of the Ukrainian airspace, and if they don't leave, we splash them, we drop them. That's the beginning of World War III. What do you say? As, as World War III, I don't want to say has it begun. Well, I'll ask you. Is it your sense that World War III has begun, that Putin's already has it already has it underway, and it wouldn't have made any difference whether NATO put jets in the air or not? Well, I would say that the only way to stop World War III right now uh, in Ukraine is to, uh, to help Ukraine to fight, uh, including... Uh, you know, ensure that Russian planes do not bomb uh, Ukraine. What you described is the only way actually to stop World War III. If we allow Putin to uh, take Ukraine, uh, to destroy Ukraine, because what, what he is doing, they are not able to proceed conventionally, you know, with the army, because the Ukrainians are fighting on the ground uh actually uh great absolutely and uh, russians are losing a lot of soldiers by all uh, estimates they lost already more than they lost in afghanistan as uh, they lost more than americans lost in afghanistan and iraq for like 20 years so russians are, are, are not doing uh, great but uh, but they do not care how many people they are going to lose and they're destroying Ukraine from the air. And every day, literally every day, they're choosing one particular painful object to destroy, and they do it. And they kill civilians, they, they kill them by hundreds, and it's, uh, it's absolutely tragic. But the problem is that this could be stopped very easily by NATO or by Americans, uh, and then probably we would not face the risk of the Third World War. Because for Putin, Ukraine is just the beginning. He announces this many, many times. This is not, uh, this is not just, uh, you know, a question mark whether Putin would proceed further. He told us that he would proceed further. He would proceed to Moldova, and then he would start to recreate the Soviet Union, demanding the return of those territories like the Baltic states, uh, which belongs to the Soviet Union, and Eastern Europe, which was under the umbrella of the Soviet Union uh, prior to 1991. That's when we are going to have full-scale nuclear war, when he would demand the Baltic states. That's why it's very important to meet Putin now in Ukraine. By the way, Ukraine is a huge country with a very large army. They are fighting, uh, they are ready to fight, they are ready to die, and uh, we, we just couldn't allow ourselves to to lose Ukraine to Putin, because our position 
our military position will become much, much weaker if Ukraine is already destroyed. Yuri, one of the questions I have to ask you is just how powerful is Putin in Russia? He is just, um, if not arrested, he's certainly pushed to the side significantly important members of his intelligence service, of his police service, of his military service. Is he just really untouchable? Is he the is he the Stalin of 2022? Well, yes, he's untouchable. Yes, he's powerful. Yes, he rules alone. Uh, he makes his own decisions. Uh, I doubt that there is a circle of, you know, comrades uh, who are advising him. But uh, this uh, power would continue as long as he is victorious. And this is the problem. And that's why this is the problem for Putin. And that's why he is not able to lose uh, Ukraine from his point of view. Because then he probably would be taken down by his own uh, comrades. And that's why, once again, it's very important not to allow him to have victory in Ukraine. Okay, let me let me just let me just follow up on that, if you, if you don't mind. So, so you feel that Putin, and you've said this, is going to use Ukraine, and it's in your book, or, or whatever territory in Ukraine he may control to attack the Eastern European, the Baltic states next, and use tactics employed by Hitler and Stalin between 1938 and 1940. Share that with us. Well, uh, it's it's very simple. As soon as he takes Ukraine, uh, whatever it takes for for the Russian army, he doesn't care. Uh, whatever it takes for Ukraine to be destroyed, he doesn't care. And then, by the way, there will not be a single building staying in the entire country. This I could promise you if we do not help Ukrainians. He would proceed very quickly to Moldova. Moldova is a weak state if you compare it it's much smaller it's you know it's a poor state if you compare it to ukraine and uh moldova probably will be taken uh very quickly and uh, then uh i i would argue that he will not run for finland and sweden what is also possible because they are not members of NATO. And the, the, the statement which was made by American administration, uh, which I think is, was a terrible mistake, uh, to say that we will not, we will defend every inch of NATO territory. But Finland and Sweden are not members of NATO. But uh, probably he will not go for Finland, although Finland belongs to Russian Empire prior to 1918, uh, he probably will present his nuclear ultimatum about the Baltic states. And this is my point. If we are afraid of Putin because he has nuclear weapons, then this is a policy of defeat. We shouldn't be afraid of Putin. He should be afraid of NATO because we are much stronger. We see how terrible Russian army is doing in uh, Ukraine. Ukraine is a small country if you compare it to the Russian Federation. Russia concentrated basically the entire army along the Ukrainian uh, border. That's all they have. And even with this army, they're not able to take uh, territories. I, I mean, they're, they're encircling cities, they're destroying Ukraine from the air, but they are not actually able to take territories, to control it, 
to establish their own government, uh, that they're not winning the war. They're actually losing the war. Uh, the only uh, help comes from, from, the, from the air, which they, they have uh, airplanes and missiles, and Ukrainians do not. So as soon as NATO is involved, the war is over in two weeks, literally. Uh, we just shouldn't be afraid of Putin because he's repeating uh, once and once again and again and again that, well, I have nuclear weapons. Well, I have nuclear weapons. But if we follow, you know, if, if we consider to agree to be defeated every time because Putin is saying that we have nuclear weapons, then uh, just a reminder that Alaska once belonged to the Russian Empire as well. So he will defend, defend even Alaska. And what's, what's the difference whether we are going to give him Ukraine because he has nuclear weapons or the Baltic states or Eastern Europe or, or Alaska? I mean, it's, so, it's still the same reason. So the question mark is then, as far as your book is concerned, there's a question mark. World War Three? question mark. Uh, are you saying that if there isn't immediate and very consistent and persistent pushback from the West, that it is World War Three? Is that what you're saying? Here's my point. When the First World War started, uh, no one actually knew that this will lead to something what historians would call First World War. When the Second World War started, it was the same. When uh, Hitler crossed the border of Poland on 1st of September 1939, he didn't expect to have the Second, nuclear, second uh, World War. That the events just led to this. That's how wars are starting usually. We do not know in advance that we are dealing with the possibility of the Third World War you know, in a process. But that's, that's what we are having... Now, 24th of February is the beginning of the Third World War, unless we stop Putin in Ukraine. Okay. I... Then this will be over in two weeks. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 